Good morning. morning. It's all downhill from here, believe me. (laughs) Go get a coffee, oh my word. Treat yourself. Yeah. I talk a lot about my grandma's church and, you know, a lot of good things, but they didn't have that. Trust me, they did not have that. Thank you guys very much. I went to see Grandma last night. I went to see her last night, 99. And she's 90. And uh, so we were talking, and Charlie was there, you know, and her hearing's going. Happens, I guess. And uh, another lady came into the room, and uh, she's at a home, a sister living home now. And so she was, uh, she was asking Grandma about how many grandkids she had, and, you know, you can tell she's slipping a little bit, and she's not slipping much, but she's starting to slip a little bit because she can't rattle these things off like she used to, you know. So we had to go through and uh, calculate for her so she could brag to this other lady that she had more than she did, you know, and that's, that's, how, you, that's how you trash talk in a nursing home. Trust me, I learned, I learned some things, you know, throw some stuff around, you know. Nine? That's nothing, you know. So Grandma let her have it. uh, But the lady goes, because she was in her, you know, she was in her 70s, and she said, 99? You you don't look 99. And uh, said, you're going to, Grandma said, yep, I think I'm going to make it to 100. She's got eight weeks to go. (laughs) She's got eight weeks. And, uh, yeah, again. Yeah, you think about a lot of things, you know. And that was her son, my dad. So she's lived without her son for 26 years. I want to read a scripture. First Corinthians. Brothers... I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news I preach to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. Everybody needs something to stand on. You'll, you'll pick that up at some point in your life. You need something to stand on in your life. By this gospel, you're saved. And he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. I want to come back to this in a minute. Of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised. Let's say it together. That he, what? died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised. At this point in the sermon, your mind's doing something. You know, if you're 20, you're like, oh, God, here we go. I knew he was going to talk about that. Your, Your brain has the capacity to do something. Right now, it's telling you to do something. It's telling you right now to shut off this as unimportant. Or it's telling you this is very important. That's what it does. 
Your mind's amazing. It can tell you all these things are irrelevant, and it helps you survive in life. It literally can just filter things out. Your brain is a gift, a filter, and it has to filter out all the important stuff. There's way too much stuff. There's just way too much stuff. So you don't see different things when you're driving down the road. You don't hear certain things that are happening because God gives you the ability to focus on what is important. That's a huge thing to understand, what's important. So Paul says this, the death of Christ for our sins, his burial and resurrection is of first importance. That's something you can make a stand on. You probably have to decide if that really is important. Some of you, a lot of times the matriarch in the family, you're the one that drug everybody here. You believe it's important. Some of you got drug. And you don't. Fair enough. It's what you think. Some of you here for the holiday. Some of you here for the celebration. This week, a friend of mine invited me to opening day. It was opening day this week. Yeah, I got to go downtown. It was fun. We went downtown and went down there. Man, there's a lot of people. Traffic jam everywhere. I hadn't been down there in years. And so, wow, there's a lot going on here. I couldn't get off on this exit, so I had to use my certain set of skills to take another exit to get to my acquired destination. And come to find out for opening day, there are hundreds of thousands of people in downtown Detroit. Was anybody there? Yeah, some of you were. And they, they said, we're going to get together. You know, it's like a thing before the game, you know. So I got directions, and I went down there, and there's like a lot of people there before the game. And uh, there's a lot of people there way before the game. And I got there, and then I realized that there's just party after party after party after party and then tailgate after tailgate and I was trying to find this place and I was in a parking lot and, and I had already walked past like 12, 15, 18 parties and there's music and all this stuff going on and people are just having a great time for opening day. I got into this parking lot and I, I, I couldn't find my friend and there was a party here and there was caution tape and there was a party here and I was getting desperate and I was just going to go eat someone else's food. I, <laughs> I did, they wouldn't have known, trust me. And uh, I was getting hungry and I decided, no, 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 be patient. And, 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 my, and my buddy who invited me there, you know, he said, well, you know, it's a good party and we have like, we have like live music and, you know, like he's a good buddy, but he's not that cool. And then there was a really cool band over here and I thought, could that be him? And uh, so I went over there and sure enough, there he is, hundreds of people in his party. And, uh, the band's going, everybody's talking, and so we got, and, and they serve Famous Dave's. I mean, this was a great day. Well, anybody know when they, when they serve Famous Dave's, it's a good day? And, uh, and so I went back, and he's like, you want some food? And I said, absolutely, I do. And I went back for some more, and I kept getting more, and they had burnt ends. On the eighth day. <laughs> I swear to you, God made burn ends on the eighth day. I mean, this is more and more. And uh, uh, so I went out, I started talking to people, I started meeting people. One of the guys is from Florida. I was like, oh, you came up for opening day for Florida? Yeah. Next guy I'm talking to, he's from Grand Rapids. And he's, You're, yeah, I came in for opening day. I flew in for opening day. 
Uh, we start talking. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Someone, I, oh, this guy, yeah, he, a friend of mine did, the, did a funeral for my friend's son and on and on. And so we talked about God. We talked about all kinds of things. And, and uh, you know, eventually I like, looked at my watch. and um, There was parties. Did I mention they were everywhere? I was like, I think I saw like one or two maybe alcoholic drinks down there uh, downtown. <laughs> and uh, there's a few other things going on. And, uh, and people were dressed up. And <laughs> you know, next thing you know, I've been there for a couple, few hours. You know, and I'm looking around and I looked at all the people I'm talking with. And I, I thought, I think the game started. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it started. And there's the same amount of people here as when the game started. And so I went over to my buddy who invited me, and I said, did I get tickets to the game? He goes, no, I didn't get you no tickets to the game. No one's going to the game. No one's going to the game. No one's going to the game. No. Look around you. I looked around. No one's going to the game. I looked out from our party at all the other parties, and they were all still full. No one's going to the game. Later on, we had dinner with some friends. Another friend who had been down there at another gathering told me, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I had, I had a chance to go to the game, but who wants to go to the game? <laughs> you could have had my tickets. Everybody was there celebrating opening day, and I got to thinking about it. I sat there and talked with people for hours, hours. The word baseball was never uttered in three hours of conversation. The word tigers, the word shortstop, the word leadoff, the word opening day pitcher, none of it was ever uttered. We were there to celebrate something that nobody ever talked about. And I made a vow. I'm going to talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus today. Because you're here. Hold on. Hold on. But some of you aren't really here. That's why I had to tell that story. Because you aren't really here. Because your filters told you it's not important. See, our society does the same thing. That's why there's a lot of people that really don't care about baseball at all. Went downtown. And I think if the truth was told a lot, not just Easter, by the way, but we're going to talk about Easter, but not just Easter, but a lot of our holidays have moved past the, the meaning that drove them to family gatherings, which are good, which are good. Family gatherings are good. Food. I think in a lot of cases, alcoholic beverages. A lot of holidays is just reduced. For adults, they're that. For five-year-olds, it's candy. It's all Charlie cares about. Is this important or not? That's a good question. Here's how, you, here's how your filter works. You decide if it's relevant to you or not. That's how your filter works. I don't know if you realize that's your filter does, but it's all of a sudden, like for me, this was one of, you know, it's connected to your nose and your eyes and your ears, right? You hear something, whoa, I like that song. You see something, like, oh, that looks cool. You smell something like burn ends and said, this is relevant to me. 
And so you're deciding right now, is this relevant to me? You know, like, I got things to do. Fair enough. Chris, I have, like, I have actual real problems. Whatever happened 2,000 years ago, good. I'll clap after the song. But I got real problems. Like, I got 2023 problems. Can you connect those for me? Our world's got some problems. And a lot of people think the best we can do is celebrate something that happened 2,000 years ago. Why is this story important to me? And you better get to it quick because I feel my filter coming back. You see what the early, um, I, I just let me say this first before I tell you. If you're young, you can't understand this. You won't get this. If you're older, whatever, we'll leave the term loosely, you will start to understand. You start to gain perspective as you get older. Uh, another way of saying it, you thought a lot of stuff was stupid when you were young, and then you realized later it wasn't so stupid. You thought a lot of stuff was irrelevant or ridiculous when you were young, and then when you got older, you started to understand. I think the, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, of the death, the burial, the resurrection. One more time, ready? The death, the burial, the resurrection. Well, that was just something that happened a long time ago, Chris, but like, I can't get my Twitter account unlocked. I, 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 can't, uh, I can't get the people in my office to cooperate. I, I have a problem with my back. I, I'm struggling with my finances. What these people believed like the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, was that this Easter was not just something. Ready? Easter was everything. Easter was the way you explain all of life itself. Death, ready? Burial, resurrection. Let's say it together. Ready? Death, burial, and resurrection. Come on, Chris, what are you talking about? Modern science has now joined the, the fray. They now realize that nothing really ever dies. It just changes shape. Modern science knows this. It doesn't die. It just changes. So I was reading an article today to go along with it, and it was about what if you asked a physicist to speak at your funeral? And a physicist would say something like to the effect that, well, you know, the, the energy, it's, it's, it's always there. So, and they would go through all these long, elaborate scientific uh, explanations. And at the very end, you know, of explaining this funeral to your long-lost husband, he'd sit down next to you and say, he's still here. He's just not as organized as he was. <laughs> Nothing ever dies. That's what science teaches us. Nothing ever actually dies. You mean 
these guys, this ancient book, they were tapping into reality? I'm telling you, they were tapping it into it in a way that you and I can't even begin to understand. This is how life works. Death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus said it this way, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if the seed goes into the ground, it's buried, then it what? Resurrects. Now there's many more seeds. I really didn't do well in school, but I guess I got kind of a video cliff notes of Plato's Republic. Anybody? I know. I didn't pay attention either. So I'll throw it out there, and then you can correct the record. But it was a story about three prisoners in a cave, and they were in a cave since they were young, they were, they were, they, since they were babies and infants, and, and all they ever saw in this cave, they looked against a flat wall, and all they ever saw were shadows. That's all they saw. So there was a fire behind them, and a, 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 like a, a cart with, a, with an ox would go by, and they would see the shadow of it on the wall, and then something else would go by, and they'd see the shadow of it, and that's all they saw their entire lives were these shadows, and so they assumed that the shadows were the reality. And then one day, one of the guys got his chain loose, and he left the cave. And when he got out of the cave, it was like the blinding light, because he had been in the cave his whole life. And he had to get through the blinding light. It's a big part of your transition, by the way. Coming to the light of day is not easy for everybody. We'll do that next week. I mean, if you've been living in the darkness for a long time, you just, you adjust. He comes out to the light, and... He sees that same wagon and the ox, and it's got dimension and smell, and you can feel it. <laughs> he's so excited, he goes back in to tell the guys in the cave. He's like, you guys don't believe this. All that stuff, is, it's, like, it's way more, there's way more to it than we thought. They thought he was a whack job. Dude, you've seen too much light. It, it, it blinded you. Do you remember in Matthew when Jesus says to Peter, um, I want to explain something to you. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says this, from that time on, Jesus explained to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. This is important. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer. And... Uh, at the hands of the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside. Come here. Never, never, Lord. This will never happen to you. Isn't that funny when people try to tell God how to do his job? You know what I mean? You ever do that? Whoever has just called them over to the side, let's talk this over. You're screwing the whole thing up. You know, again. Haven't you? Here's how we need to do this. Jesus explained to Peter the, the structure of reality. Jesus is like the guy, the prisoner that left the cave. He's seen reality. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. Let me tell you about the structure of reality for everybody. And if you leave parts of it out, it's a problem. First of all, 
Part one, suffering. Everybody suffers. That's what we talked about on Friday. It's just the truth, and you might as well know it. And you telling your kids that they're never going to suffer is doing them no favors. Or you telling them about pointing all fingers at all the people that made them suffer and make them bitter and angry and upset, no favors. Suffering is a part of life. No one likes it, but the sooner you understand it, the better. Peter immediately pulls Jesus aside and says, never. As I sent to you in an email this week, we don't know what the never was. Was it never you will suffer or never you will rise or was it both? I kind of think maybe it was both. You're never going to suffer. That's not, that's not part of the plan. First of all, suffering is a part of nobody's plan. Nobody here plans to suffer. Nobody here looks, puts it in the calendar. February, we go to Disney. March, a month of suffering. Right? You put Disney in the calendar, suffering hits you whenever it decides to. These are, these are the realities of life. But if you, if you skip that, if you do the never, Lord, here's the problem. And let me just simplify this as we, as we close. We're going to share communion. You're either going to be like Jesus or you're going to be like Peter. Now, we all have a lot of Peter's attributes inside of us. There's no question. And that flares up all the time. If there's one person in the Gospels you can relate to, it's Peter. First thing we say to suffering, never, never. I'm not going to suffer. And then the other thing that happens, and this is really important. Because of what's been spread in our society, people suffer and they don't know about resurrection. They don't know about hope. And I already look up here, I want to tell you something. I will tell you what's wrong with our society. I will tell you right now. It is the subtraction of hope from the human soul. That, in its entirety, is what's wrong with our society. Without God, without hope. You take that, out, you take that away from people, and they fall into despair. Oh, no, no, I think they're doing okay. No, 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 no. They're skating on different medications and they're skating on different things. But no, no, you can't take away hope from people. So Chris, well, isn't that just like you're just giving them like a sugar pill? No, 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 I'm not talking about hype. I, I recognize that a lot of people propagate hype. I'm not talking, hope is real. This is not the end of the story. You have to decide for once in your life, you get to the point where you say, I believe that I can stand on something that's solid. And that's hope. Hope that's real. Death, burial, and what? Resurrection. So eventually suffering gets to them either way. Whether you told them it was or you didn't tell them. Whether you prepared them or you didn't prepare them. Whether you prepared yourself, who here, my hands up, was not prepared for some suffering that came your way. So it comes either way, prepared or unprepared. But if you stop there and you don't give hope. Then, then all you have is despair. 
Jesus gets, here's how it culminates. Jesus is in the garden. He's praying. He's praying. Father, let this suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, I mean, it's the most beautiful prayer. Perhaps, maybe, my biased opinion, maybe it's the most beautiful prayer in the scripture. Father, let this suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. If you can get that one down, friends, let this suffering pass from me. And then they come in to arrest Jesus. And Jesus, who is praying, Peter is sleeping. And when they come in to arrest him, this is the response. Because what you believe determines how you will respond. What you believe determines how you will respond. They come in to arrest Jesus. And Peter grabs a what? A sword. What did, what did Jesus already tell Peter? I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to resurrect. If you know that, you don't need swords. Peter yet to believe. He still couldn't get it. You know why we have so many swords? Because we don't yet believe. You know why we have so much fighting? We don't yet believe. Jesus is not going to point the finger at this guy and get even with this guy. and get it. He's going to go through his suffering because he knows that resurrection is on the other side. It's a guarantee. When you plant a seed in the ground, it doesn't go, oh, no, please, no, no, no more dirt. The seed goes down quietly, says what? I'll come back again. But if you don't believe, do you know why you're stressed out in life? Let me simplify life for you. I'll give you the life in its most simplest form. Ready? Faith and non-faith. That's it. You call, this is, has 17,000 different descriptions. Non-faith. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a agnostic, atheist, I'm a this, I'm a scientist, I'm a skeptic, I'm a hoodoo, hoodoo. I just believe. I just believe. This is Jesus. This is Peter. This is fighting. This is peace. This is freedom. This is frustration. Faith and non-faith. That's what it all boils down to. And that's up to you. That's why he keeps saying, if you believe, if you believe. I hope today somehow your filter got wet and it got through. You understand that this is a hope that you can hold on to. You can build your life on it. You can bank your life on it. You can build your family on it. It's a rock. Death, burial, and the what? Resurrection. It's never the end. It's never the end. You know one of the biggest problems that we have? We live in the past. You got to bury the past. I mean, next week I'm going to teach you how to bury your past. It's great. You got to bury it. You know the biggest problem that human beings face, I think? We live with our past. 
We live with the fears and the hang-ups and the problems and the confusion and the regrets and the guilt and all this stuff. We've got to bury all that. That's what Easter is about. So you can step out into the newness of life.